Good morning, everyone. Welcome to New Hope Church. Um, right now is the time we get to uh, praise and worship Christ in the forms of tithes and offerings. So if the ushers would kindly prepare. If this is your first time visiting, uh, no need give. Give if you like, but um, no need give. No feel ob obligation to give. If you're here from a different church, uh, please take your tithes and your offerings to your home church. But if you are here and this is your home church, I invite you to give sacrificially and with a cheerful heart. Four years ago, um, well, six years ago, I got sick, fell into depression. I was messed up. And on January 14, 2016, I cried out to the Lord. He touched me, He healed me, and it was the beginning of my new walk. However, January 15, the next day after I cried out to God and He touched me, my circumstances was still the same. I had broken relationships, my finances were a mess, um, my house was trashed, and I was overwhelmed. And when I look back in my life, I think, okay, that was a real critical juncture in my life because either I could have been overwhelmed with my circumstance and my situation, and I would have just gone back downhill. So I would cry out to God and I'd say, Lord, you know, I'm overwhelmed. What I need is for you to overwhelm me right now. And that's what I did. And I asked him, okay, Lord, just tell me, what do I need to do today? Just one thing, you know. Tell me, okay, open up your Bible, read five minutes. Okay, turn on K-Love, listen to worship music for 15 minutes. Clean the dishes, you know, wash one dish at least. And I, I did that. And I said, okay, that was my one, two, three things. And I just stopped. And every day he, he built it up because it's a process. Yeah, it, it's just your circumstances don't just change like that. He may change your heart, give you a new, uh, a new spirit within you, but your problems may still exist. One of the things he told me I needed to do, he told me I needed to start giving and serving. And I wasn't up here yet, so I said, but Lord, you know, how am I going to give? I have nothing, you know. So he told me, well, just go ahead you know, pack some lunches, sandwich, you know, bottle water, whatever, and just pass it out around town. So my son and I, my nephews and I, my daughter, we just go around town and we'd pass out food. And that act of giving and serving, it made such a huge difference in my life in the early, the early days of my walk with the Lord because Acts chapter 20, Paul tells us to remember the words of Jesus, that it is so much better to give than to receive. So right now as we pray, just with that heart of giving, knowing that, man, you are going to bless our socks off as we give. Father God, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord. Lord, when we are overwhelmed with life and circumstances, we pray in Jesus' name that you would overwhelm us with your presence and your spirit and your power. Father God, in Jesus' name, we just lift up to you this offering. Use it. Bring many, many people into the kingdom of your Son. Father God, bless this message, Lord God. Anoint it. Um, speak in and through, Pastor, and let it, let it touch our hearts deep within so they will change us from the inside out. Father God, we thank you. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, we're continuing on with the series, uh, Serving God, and um, this is a video about it, so enjoy the video. We actually came to New Hope Church last year in May, and we joined our church, and that was when Puna Relief was happening. Mm -hmm. 
and we immediately jumped on board. After Puna Relief was over, we wanted more. We had a hunger to help and to feed the people, and we noticed there was a need, so we went out and, and met that need. For us, um, when I was growing up, my grandmother didn't know a stranger. Um, everyone would come to our front door, knock on the door, and she would feed them, and she would clothe them. My brother would always say, Mom, oh my gosh, you know, one of these people can hurt you, and she would always say, you know what, what if it's God at my door? Ever since then, I cannot just sit around and, and not help. I am part of the Hula ministry here at New Hope, and I have been so, so blessed that most of my Hula sisters not only donate, but they arrive at my home at six o'clock every Friday morning, and I could not do it without them. We put our little label on it so that people know that who we are if they need any extra help. I was really sick. I have back problems and I, they knew I was sick and she messages me and she says, sis, I know you're sick, so I guess we're not doing tomorrow morning. And I said, wait a minute, just because I'm sick doesn't mean people don't eat. People yeah. are still hungry. Forget about me. I, people, so I said, I still have to wake up Friday morning at 5 o'clock, set the kitchen up. Just because I don't feel well doesn't mean 100 people go without eating. You know, everybody deserves a meal. And so right. whatever their situation is, it's their situation. We're just there to fill that need. That need. We just we just pray that God feel that they feel that love of God and that's what we're doing it for. We're doing it for right. the Lord, period. We prayed about it and it didn't take but twenty four hours for God to answer our prayers and say, This is the path that you should go on. Our model is feeding the world one brown bag at a time and one brown bag can make the difference in one person's life whether they eat that day or not. And that's the mentality that we have. I was in, alone in my office one day and this lady comes in and she plugs in her phone, she walks outside. So I leave my desk, I walk outside to the front and I'm like, I see a phone getting charged. So I open the door and I ask this lady, I says, is that your phone? He goes, she goes, oh yeah, I, I needed to charge my battery. And, and I said, okay, um, you should ask. This is a place of business, right? And so, oh, if there's a problem, I said, no, no, leave your phone, charge your phone. So I go back and I go back and I do my email and I stop and I went, wait a second, what's up? You know, John, you should have been a little bit more nicer, right? So then, you know, I, I go outside and, and, and I see their backpacks. Then I see sleeping bags and I'm like, oh no, I was mean, you know? So I said, hey, can I have a word with you, Auntie? So she comes in and I said, first of all, I just want to say that if I came off, came on too strong, I apologize, you know. There's no, I should have asked. So I said, uh, are you homeless? He goes, she said, yes, I am, me and my grandson. And we are in Pipikeo behind a building and that's where we sleep. Should have seen it, nuts, right? I said, well, okay, you know, do you need a job? I can give you a job, you know, okay, that would be good. I said, okay, come back tomorrow and, and we'll talk about it when your grandson's in school. 15 minutes go by, the grandson comes in, third grader, right? Comes in, he grabs the phone, and I get up, and I go, hey, young man, how's it going? He goes, oh, good. 
you know, one, one-liners, right? Oh, good. And I said, uh, you want something to eat? He goes, oh, no, no, we just ate. I said, uh, you know, you should tell your grandma, you know, you, you guys should go up to Salvation Army because they, they got stuff. They got food pantry on Friday. Someone does the brown bags and you can get peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and spam with bees. The kid turned around and goes, we do that already. We go there on Fridays. I said, really? He goes, what's your favorite? Oh, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And I said, well, you keep on going there, yeah? But sometimes we'll get spam moussa bee. He goes, oh, those, that's the greatest Fridays. <laughs> and I said, okay, keep, keep going there now. And I was blown away. It was almost as if I, I was like, like I was so shocked that, you know what, Lord? That's just confirmation. It was such a wonderful I day. Didn't, I didn't, I, I did not identify myself to the grandmother or that, well, we, have, we, we do the Hawaii brown bags. But just to get from that third grader. From the mouths the of babes. Confirmation that he goes there before school and gets his brown bag in the morning and eats. That was enough for me. Yeah. That actually gave me fuel. To do more. Exactly. Okay, yeah. so we'd like to thank Tina Nicole and Jonathan Barboza, Ka- uh, Carlene and John Wolf, Dale and John Pergil, Pamela Mendoza, Brenda Kenui, uh, Joyce Kipo'o, Cami and Greg La Confora, Debbie and Don Lepoldo, Marcia Krager and Kat Kamo. Thank you so much. When God wants to use a life and when a heart is given to him, he can do marvelous things. And I know many of you, you serve, you give to God, you do whatever you can with whatever you have to expand the kingdom of God. And you do it not to glorify self, but you do it to glorify God. So once again, can we say thank you to Teresa and John and all the volunteers, all of you who volunteer doing that. Thank you. You know, when I think of uh, this church and, and, and many churches and organizations that do things for God, it may never be on the television or media may not cover it, but all of heaven sees it. And every single thing we do for God is not just for this temporary world. Every single thing we do for God echoes into eternity. That's how valuable and important it is for us to understand what it means to serve God. That's what this series is all about. It's, it's allowing us to remember what kind of impact it makes when we serve God. So we're going to look at today, how do we use our life for God? And how do we, with what God has given to us, how do we use that for his kingdom? Because it can almost sound foreign to us to hear, use my life for God. It, it, it may not... It may not click with some of us in how we can do that, but that's what we're going to look at today. So you can take out your notes, or if you're using the church app, that'll help you to follow along. And there are some scriptures that will help you to understand what the Bible is saying. Think about it. When God created us, he created us with a greater purpose than just living here on this earth. And not just for a relationship with him. That was a great thing. God created us for him to be in relationship with him. But he also created us to be in relationship with one another. He created us to be in relationship. That's why we don't, we're not good alone. It just doesn't, we, we're, we're not as, uh, we don't reach our full potential alone. We're not as uh, vibrant or joyful just being alone. 
There's a longing for every single person to connect with someone else, to be with someone else because God put that there. He put it there for a reason so that we would long for him and to connect with one another so that we can make a difference in this world. In other words, we're, he saves us to serve. He has given us the capacity to serve him. As Kat and Mayo were talking about the SALT conference, that's why we gather together once a year in that kind of way. It's for us as volunteers or for you as volunteers to come and hear the heart and vision of the church, to get equipped, to be inspired by God, and to be motivated by his spirit to become the person that he's making you to be. And so I would, I would ask you to be a part of that as well as to pray and ask God, you know, what part do I get to play? And how can my life make a difference in the world that we live in? See, when, when we understand what it means to use our life for God, only then will we be able to use our life for God. Otherwise, we'll never use our life for him because we don't know specifically how to do this. But when we do understand that, then we're going to be able to make the greatest impact in this world for him. That's why Psalm 139, let's look at our scripture, Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16. And in the app, it, it has uh, M-O-G. It should say M-S-G, which means the message uh, version, the message Bible. It says, oh, yes, you shaped me first inside, then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. I thank you, high God, your breathtaking. Body and soul, I am marvelously made. I worship in adoration. What a creation. Look at the person next to you. Look at that. They're a creation. What a creation. Not creature, although we are, but what a creation. You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made bit by bit. In other words, God didn't mass produce us. Bit by bit, he created us. How I was sculpted from nothing into something. Like an open book, you watched me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life all prepared before I'd even lived one day. God saw everything. And he also gave us abilities to go with the life that we are to live. In other words, this scripture tells us that there is only one you. Only you can do what you're supposed to do here on this earth. There is only one you. No one else can replace you. No one else can be you except you. And without our participation for Jesus in the world and without us being involved, what we're supposed to do just will not happen. Oh, God can do things with other people, but he specifically designed you to do certain things. And it starts with a relationship with him. For some of us, sometimes we'll see a problem, and God says, you're also the solution. You're going to be a part of what I'm going to do. And instead of me having a heart to complain about the problem I see, I need to become the solution that God made me to be. It's going to be his power and his strength. And that's what I see you doing as volunteers. This is what you do for the Lord. And I'm amazed at how God uses all of our unique abilities for his cause and for him expanding his kingdom and when i think of us as the body of christ i liken it to a a puzzle and with puzzles the 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 more pieces you have the longer it takes and the more joyful you are when you finish it so a couple of weeks ago heidi and my oldest son justin are putting together a 2000 uh, puzzle uh, puzzle yeah 2000 piece puzzle and as they're putting this together, they ask, do you want to help? I'm like, no, I don't have time for that. I'm not going to put together a puzzle. 
And as they're putting this together, day after day, a couple days went by, and there's some sections. It's a Star Wars uh, picture. So there's some sections, yes, <laughs> there's some sections that are just black because of space and, you know, tiny little stars. So they do that one last. And so I was up about 11 o'clock, and I was watching them, and they said, you know, we'll continue tomorrow. And so they left it. And as I'm going to bed, I'm looking, and I'm thinking, man, that's like just the black areas. And I thought, you know, I just, I'll just do one piece. So I was up till 3 o'clock in the morning, and I'm putting these pieces together. And so I didn't finish it, but the next day we were finishing it up. And guess what happened? Just guess what happened. Just, just guess what happened. So we are putting everything together, and there are nine pieces left. And then eight pieces on the board, like nine, uh, you know, holes left, but only eight left. And I'm thinking, wait, something's wrong. Put everything together, and there was missing one piece. One piece out of 2,000 pieces. One piece. It took a couple days to put this together. Now, I wasn't included in the couple of days. I just was included in a couple of hours. But you know how frustrating it is to put together 2,000 pieces, and one is missing. And I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, and I said this, and I, I wish I had the clip to show this, but I said, you know, I, it must be horrible to put together a, you know, a thousand-piece puzzle and not have the last piece, because I used it as an illustration. And I guess maybe the Lord wanted me to feel the feeling. So I felt what it felt like, saying, it's so frustrating. You're dissatisfied. You can't, like, all of that don't matter. It's like, I don't care about the 100 and 999, 1,999 pieces. Without that last one, it just is dissatisfying. I'm, as you can tell, I'm still dissatisfied. I wanted to make my own piece. Go outside, cut out some cardboard and paint it. But I knew if I looked at the piece, I would just stare at that one fake one. So, I, so, till the, you know, we're going we're gonna to have to buy another one. No, we're going to buy another one, Heidi. We're going to redo this puzzle. I'm just saying, I'll do it by myself then. I need, there's just this dissatisfaction. Then I thought about the, the picture that God is painting with the body of Christ, the picture that he has in our world, and that he looks at every single one of our lives, and he says, you're included, you're included, you're included. You have a, a picture of your life, but together you're going to glorify me. There's going to be a big picture of who I am in this world, and without that one missing piece, it is so dissatisfying. You matter to God. You are that important. You may feel like, yeah, but in all of these pieces and all of these people, I'm lost. And God says, no, no, you don't get it. You're, you're all going to do something for me. Because in this relationship with me, you have heaven. But there are tons of people who do not because they don't know me yet. And your life plays a part in glorifying me in the bigger picture. I think if we have that idea of God wants to use my life for him, not just for this temporary world, but for eternity. That adds so much value to who God has made us to be. He didn't create us to just exist in this world. He created us to impact eternity. You're that valuable to God so much so that he sent his one and only son to die for you and I. He says, this is how I will show you how valuable you are and how much I love you and how much I want to use you in this world. I will die for you. And that's what he did for us. So let's think about how we can use our life to impact eternity. And we're going to look at following these three things. And the first one is this. Start 
with what God gave to you. Just start there. For Teresa and John, they're thinking, okay, I can help with the Puna relief efforts when the volcano was, you know, erupting. And uh, God, we, we, we'll do that. We, we can use our hands and feet. We can do things. And then God spoke to them and said, you're going to continue to do this in this kind of way. And they used what, what they had. They can make, and I've heard, they can make 100 peanut butter and jelly sandwiches in 13 minutes. And a hundred musubis in 23 minutes. Some of us can eat 23 minutes, you know, musubis. It doesn't take much because God has already equipped us. He's already given us abilities, certain abilities. Because it's not really going to be our abilities. It's going to be his strength and his spirit and power through the abilities that he's given to us. We may have the excuses in our mind and the reasons. And God says, no, I've given you those abilities to be used for me. First Peter chapter 4, verse 10 tells us that God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. He says, use them well. He doesn't say squander it. He doesn't say use it for self-glorification. He doesn't say just hide it and keep it away so that no one else will see your gifts or your talent or your abilities. He says, no, no, you use it well for one another. See, here at New Hope Church, we have so many of you who volunteer. You use whatever you have for God. You use your voice. You use your hands. You use your feet. You use your mind. You use whatever God has given to you, and you start there. And then God uses that to glorify him. And I believe there are still yet many of you who are sitting here right now, and God is speaking to you. He's saying, here's what I'm asking you to do for me. And I, I, I want to encourage you, obey the Lord, because it's more than just your gifting and your talents and the heart that you have for God. God wants to do something greater that impacts eternity. Eternity. This is not a one-shot deal. This is an eternal decision that we make to impact the lives of others for their eternity. In whatever way God wants to use you. You might think that, but I don't, I don't even, I don't know anybody. I don't, I don't even know what to do. Start with what you have. Go before God and ask him. Come up to one of us. Go to the information center and say, you know, I want to serve God. I just don't know where to begin. And let us help you. God gave many of us, well, God gives to all of us certain natural abilities. Some of us are just great thinkers. We just, we, you're able to think things through clearly. It's just, it's innate in you. You're, you're able to do that. It comes naturally for you. Some of you are naturally gifted at singing. Some of you are naturally gifted at, at, at athletics or with athletics. You're able to, to play sports well. You're just naturally gifted. Some of you are naturally gifted with the way you are, are with people. You're, you just have a way with people. Some of you are just naturally gifted with numbers. You're able to compute and mathematics is your thing. God bless you. Some of you are artists, musicians, and that's just a natural ability that God gave to you. Now, there are some who will learn a skill, and you can do that too, but God gave you the ability to learn the skill. It is said that every single person has at least 700 skills that can be readily used right away. 700 skills. You might be thinking, I don't have any skills. That's a skill. You knew you never had skills. That's one and you can start from there, and you keep going. We all have some type of skill that God gave to us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 6, the Bible tells us that there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. 
There are differences in ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. It's his spirit. He, he put that in us so that we can use it for him. There are many people who are world famous and they're using the same gift that God has given to them, not to glorify God, but for self. They're world famous, make a lot of money, but they're not doing it for the Lord. And just because they're not doing it for God doesn't mean their gift didn't come from God. Just means they have yet to use it for God. In the book of Hebrews chapter 13, verse 21, the Bible tells us, may he equip you with all you need for doing whose will? His will. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ, every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever. Amen. In other words, we don't do this for us. It's not our will that we're doing this for. It is for him. And what greater joy is it for us to receive these abilities from God and then now turn it around to use it for him? That's a heart of gratitude. And if the abilities were God-given... And all the gifts that he's given to us and all the abilities that he has given to us are from him, then the natural gifts we've been born with, because they are from God, all of these gifts and abilities, because they're from God, are just as important and valuable as spiritual gifts that God has given to us. Gift of knowledge, gift of, gift of prophecy. Or if you're someone who has the gift of faith, you just your, your, your faith is so strong in God. On the spiritual side, we tend to think, wow, these are very important because God gave that to us. No, no, even our natural abilities that were God-given are just as important. And one of the main reasons why many people don't serve God is because they don't believe they have anything to offer and we don't feel worthy. It's not about our worthiness. It's about his worthiness. It's not about how bad we are. It's about how good he is. It's not about our inabilities to even come to our abilities. It's about his ability to work through even our insecurities. He's just that good. So use whatever you can with what you have. Start there. And the second thing is to use your life to glorify God. Sometimes we think we have to have, have a platform or some type of significance, followers, uh, we need to be in a position. No, no, no. God gave you a life. That is the best position. That's your platform. And God gave you a certain amount of people, a certain influence that surrounds you. He says, start there. Use your entire life for me. It doesn't have to be in a particular place. Now, you may serve like at a church or here, and you may be in a specific area. But nonetheless, it's the life that God has given to us to serve him. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 says, Therefore, whatever or whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Like everything that is done, we have to think, God, I want to glorify you in this. How can I glorify you in what I'm about to do? And our responsibility as a church, as a church body, is to help one another find that ability and to help identify that God-given ability and find ways to serve God. If you're thinking about serving and you're, you're saying, but I don't, I don't know my gift. I don't, know, I don't even know where to start. I don't know what to do. If you're married, talk to your spouse. Talk to your children. Talk to one of us. Talk to another uh, a brother or sister or a Christian brother or sister. And say, you know, God has been putting this on my heart. I want to serve him. I just don't know where to begin. And maybe you need an outside perspective to tell you what you are naturally good at. 
Because for many of us, it's not like we're going to go to each other and say, okay, you know, I want to serve the Lord because I am naturally good at this. We don't, we don't do that. And sometimes we don't even see it. We don't, we don't know what we're really good at because it's automatic for us. But God gave that ability and we may need an outside perspective to help us. And God may place you in a specific place to serve and use your gift for him. But it's up to us to find that place and develop the heart to grow where he puts us. And it's going to be him. He's going he's to do that for us. And you may not, you may not think of this as a talent, and, or you may, not, you may think of this as a, isn't that a worldly thing? But it's actually biblical, and here it is. For some of you, your, your talent, your gifting, your ability is to make money. That's your ability. You're just really good at stewardship, organization. You have the smarts. You, you know how to put together a, a stock portfolio. You know, how to, you know how to trade, and you know uh, when the market is good, and you know when to do certain things. God gave you that ability, and he says, you're going to use that for me. And many of you do that. Many of you have done that. Why? Because God gave you that ability, and you're using it for him. You know, when Moses was bringing the Israelites together, God's chosen people, what God was doing was building up a, a nation to represent him in the world, and he used Moses as their leader. Moses, he didn't have certain abilities. He wasn't good at speaking. He stuttered. But God says, I'm going to start with what you have, and then I'm going to use your life for me. And so Moses comes to the Israelites, and he says this in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. He says, but you shall remember the Lord your God. So he starts there. For it is he who is giving you power to make wealth, that he may confirm his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Now, why did Moses have to say that? Well, partly because he wanted them to realize that their ability came from God and to give him the credit. That he wanted them also to remember to use their wisdom of business to serve the needs of others and to share their faith with other people. And maybe even to teach others how to do the same thing. And then he says, out of what I'm giving to you, and this is for all of us, this is a biblical principle. He says, what I'm giving to you, now you give back to me as an act of worship. And it's not about a tithe thing. It's about understanding the principles of God. And what I would love to do as a pastor is give you the entire Bible in what God is asking of us. And one of the most difficult things to talk about in church is finances because it's such a difficult thing in, a personal, uh, in someone's personal life. So when we talk about finances in church, people will turn off their ears and they say, oh man, see, that's, that's why I didn't want to come to church. They talk about money. So put that on the side. Let's talk about God's word. That he says this, that when you have been given and you have been blessed, he says it actually wasn't just for you. I've blessed you so that you can bless others. Yeah, but I don't know. I can't give as much as so-and-so. I'm not asking you to give an amount. I'm asking you to give a percentage. And with that, I'm going to use to extend eternity and to touch someone's life that were, they were heading to be separated from me for all of eternity. And your giving to me makes all the difference. So I would say start with what God is saying. I would never want to cut short God's blessing for you because he said to test me in this area. Heidi and I have tested him since day one and he has never been unfaithful. He has always been faithful. Many of you have done that too. You give to God, you tithe, and you've seen God's blessings. 
And it comes more than just monetary form. God is not limited to just finances. He's so much greater than that. And I'm so thankful that he is greater than our finances. And it's an act of worship when we give to him. That's why we pray when we receive the tithes and offerings. It's a holy moment for us. And it is probably one of the most difficult areas in our life when it comes to worship to God. Easy for me to worship in song. I mean, I may not sing on key, but it's easier to sing to God as an act of worship than it is to give to God as an act of worship. Yet they're both the same thing. It's worship to God. And as we do that, we're going to see God do greater things. He, when, when God said this to Moses to teach the people, what he was teaching the people was that you need to be eternal thinkers. That's what he was saying to the Israelites. That let's be eternal thinkers, not temporary keepers. Because we can't take stuff with us when we go to heaven. I, I know some people, and, and, and um, it's not a bad thing, but people will put like Vegas chips, like casino chips, in the, in the coffin with their loved one, like to say, hey, daddy, go hit it big in heaven. And then they'll give them the chips. Now, I understand that there's significance in that. There's, there's heart and there's, there's meaning to the, to the family. But those chips are still there. And I don't know if there's gambling in heaven. I really don't. I don't know. Most likely not. But I do know this, that what God says is eternal. And he says, when you store up treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy, that's where your heart should be. You're storing up everything in heaven. So it brings us to our third point. Do everything for God's purposes. Everything. Think about life. Think about our life that, that we're, we want to live for God. And I know there are things that we go through that, that take us away from God. And, and, and the life is a struggle at times. But there is a purpose for every single human life here on this earth. And God says, do everything for my purpose. And I need to admit this, that if I'm not careful and I'm not mindful of the things of God, I'll start doing things for my own purposes. I'll start doing things for self rather than for God's purpose. I remember when we first came to church and we felt the call to serve God and Heidi and I were living together. We weren't married yet. We were just learning about the things of God. I, I, God showed me this and it was kind of like a, a picture uh, of what he wanted to do. And, and this is Heidi. She's my wife, and this is me. And he said, I have a plan for you, for your life, and this is where I'm taking you. And I said, Lord, I, I want to use my life for you. How do I do that? And he said, well, in order for you to hit max capacity with your life, you're going to have to do what Hebrews said, the book of Hebrews, to lay aside every sin and encumbrance that so easily entangles you to run this race so I said, okay, what are some things that are entangling me? And there are a couple of things that were entangling me. I'll just list a few because there were many. But just for time's sake, I'll start with this. So Heidi and I were living together. And so I said, Lord, I want to be more influential for you. But I'm living with Heidi. And I know premarital sex is not, it's not healthy for Heidi and I. So you let me know what, what are my options. And he said, oh, simple, get married or move out. And just don't have sex again. Okay, let's get married. So Heidi and I got married. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so we got married. Woo! Okay, so we got married. Let's move on. And then he said, what about, I said, Lord, what about, I, you know, I drink, but the Bible says it's okay to drink. He says, right, but how influential do you want to be? I said, well, I want to serve in the youth ministry. He said, okay, do you think the youth understand 
that it's, there are certain areas in the Bible that talks about drinking? Do you think they're going to understand that? I said, not really. He said, what if you're at a party and they see you drinking? Then how influential can you be? I'm like, okay, so I'll give that up for you. He said, okay, I'll give that up for you. No more drinking. Uh, alcohol. Let's make that straight just in case some of you are drink, drinking water, but alcohol. Uh, and, then, and then it came to our finances, and I was saying, Lord, I have all of these things. I want to tithe, but I have nothing to tithe. We don't have money. He said, okay, let's look at where your money is going. So Hyde and I calculated we were spending $400 a month on eating out, just on eating out. So we're like, okay, so Lord, help, help me to recalculate everything. So when it came to these areas, I really had to think through how impactful I wanted my life to be. And that was my choice. Now, I could have said, God, I, I'm going to keep all of this stuff. I'm, I'm gonna, that's what I'm going to do. God can't force me because I have the freedom to choose. But in this area, I was robbed of his blessings. If I look back at this season, I can actually feel the weight and heaviness of how difficult this season was without my obedience to God. And once Heidi and I made decisions, then the two became one. And it was no longer my plan, my purpose. It was, God, what is your plan and your purpose for us? And once we made this decision, then we could see God's blessing come in. And it was not about the finances. There was so much more to it than that. The Bible even says for him to know what he ought not to do and still do, to him it is sin. And so when it came back to that and listening for the Lord, because some people will even ask me, oh, what about the Bible? It says this, it says this. I said, what, is, what does Jesus say for you? What does he say for you? Because I can justify anything, but what does he say to you? Because I want to use my entire life for God. I don't want none of me when I see him face to face. I want it to be all of him. Now, I know we're not going to be perfect in this world, but to me, that's not, I'm not going to use that as my reason or excuse. And with all of these will come excuses along the way. We'll have them. It'll come, and it's there, and there are many valid reasons. But that's what Heidi and I had to work through. I said, Lord, what are all of my reasons and all of my excuses? List them for me. And he gave them to me. I said, okay, because now I know my, the reason, because now I know what the problem is, you have the solution. So what is the solution, God? And he gave me solutions, and he still does that. The question is not if there's an answer or a solution. The question is how willing am I to obey him? It's not how willing am I to listen to the pastor or serve or do things. It's, Lord, it really comes back down to my relationship with you. That's where the blessing is. That's what God is looking for. We don't have time in this world for us to live a life separate from the life God promised us. Why would I want to live a lesser blessed life? I'd rather live the life that God promised for me to live. And although it seems difficult, which it should seem difficult, that's why we depend on God. And I can't tell you the power, the strength, the abilities, the supernatural abilities that will come into your life when you obey God. It just happens. That's how powerful God is. Sometimes we want to see God move in great ways, but he wants to just move in our life, and we'd rather see the greater ways than in our personal life. We'll see Facebook posts, and we'll share it. Look at what God did. This is so amazing. And God is saying, I'm trying to do something here. That's why I showed you that. 
I want to do something here. And when we use our entire life for God, for his purposes, all of heaven rejoices. Greater things happen. And the Bible proves to be true. See, once we, once we step into the promises of God and his purposes, then we see his hand on everything that we do. And everything that happens in our life, even though things may not work according to what we want, he will always work all things together. That's what Romans 8, 28 and 29 says, that we know that, that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Notice it doesn't say that I have, that it doesn't say according to my purpose, it says according to his purpose. Because many times we ask ourselves, well, what, what is God's will for my life? And I found out the best way to see God's will in your life is to start with where you are, finding what we already are natural, naturally good at, and start there. It's a great way to, to begin knowing his will, but that's not the only way because God looks at our hearts more than he, than he does what we do or our talents. And if we have a heart for God then he's going to develop this relationship with him. And out of that, he's going to be showing us more and more things that please him. Because if we don't do one thing for God and all we have is this relationship with him, that's really what he wants. And because of this relationship, he says, now I'm going to use your life to impact others because I want a relationship with them too. And so now we live out of a relationship with God and serving him. If we don't have this relationship and just doing things, if, we, if, we're not, if we're just doing things for the sake of doing things, even for God, but we don't have this relationship, we will still be dissatisfied because we don't have this relationship with him. God loves all kinds of variety. Even here in this room, God has given us different gifts. We're all different our DNA is different. Some people are quiet. Some people are not. Some people are, you know, great, you know they're, they're, they're always busy in their mind because they're, they're, they're problem solving. And some people, they, they don't, they don't, they don't want to do that. That's not their natural ability. They're a hands-on kind of person. They're a spur-of-the-moment kind of person. Yeah, they'll still think things through, but we all have different abilities. God gave us uh, some people that are, are, are real extrovert. Some people are introvert. Some people have the, the ability to, to carry themselves well because they know they represent God well and they want to represent him well. God will even use our past experiences for him. He'll use it for his glory. We call it a testimony. He'll use all of our experiences to help other people. So God will never waste a pain. He will never waste a setback. He will never waste our, our mistakes. He'll even use that for his glory. Because sometimes our greatest impact will come out of our greatest pain. And God will even use that. As he says in 2 Corinthians 1.4, that he comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given to us. See, God wants to use our life for him. I pray that as we think this through, that we would continue to use our life for him. But if you haven't been, I would pray that as God spoke to our hearts today and to your heart, that you would search him, that you would seek his face and say, Lord, how, how do I use my life for you? Because I, I tell you this, that's where your life 
satisfaction will come from. It'll come from him. It's that relationship with him and then becoming the person that he created you and I to be. We just need to come to the Lord with all of our pain, all of our past, and bring that to him. Not try to cover it up and, and, and try to figure it out on our own, but let him heal us from the inside out and be willing to be a testimony for the Lord. Your life and my life was impacted by someone who was willing to use their life for God. It may very well be that in this season of life, it's now your turn to do what someone did for you. And maybe you've been doing that. And if you have been, I know you would agree with me what a blessing it is to use our life for God. I would want us to be the church or a church that uses our life to glorify God, the one who gave his life for us at the cross. He did that for us. I know for some of us uh, that are here today, you, you work with children. In fact, school is starting, well, school, some schools started this past week, but many of the schools are going to be starting this coming week. And some of you are teachers, your faculty, you, your, your coaches, and you, you work with children. I want you to know that your life can be used to serve God too. You may not be able to talk about Jesus at school. Maybe you can. Maybe you're in a school that you're able to do that. But for many of you, maybe you're not able to. And teachers, you, you are probably one of the most underestimated as well as underpaid. <laughs> but you are probably one of the most influential people in this world. And I know we as parents, we have a responsibility. But as teachers, the, the things that you do for our children are unbelievable. You may not get a thank you from them. They grow up and they may never say thank you. But you're doing something great. So I wanted to do something that we normally don't do here because we really want to... Um, not highlight or, or, you know, make you do something that you're uncomfortable with. But I always believe this, that if I'm not uncomfortable, the comforter doesn't come, which is the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to ask Auntie Chris to come up. And as she does, she's one of our elders, but she's also a school teacher. And I'm going to ask you, if you're a school teacher, would you stand, please? And if you're a coach or if you're a faculty, principal, vice principal, could you stand to your feet, please? We want to pray for you Actually, in this next any, season. anyone who works in the school system. Yeah, because you're around children. Yeah, please stand. I know you're here. Yeah, thank you for standing, first of all. We appreciate that. Actually, I'm where you all want to be, retired. <laughs> but you're still teaching. Okay. Well, I still like to go dabble a little. Okay, can we uh, extend a hand to these uh, yeah. precious people yeah. as we Thank pray? You. Thank you, Lord. We ask, Father God, that you would anoint our teachers and all those educators who are on our campuses, Lord God that impact the lives of our precious, precious children. And Father, I pray, Lord, that you will give a Holy Spirit sustaining dose of wisdom and creativity and endurance, strength, 
understanding and mostly compassion. I pray, Lord God, that you would... Well, actually, I thank you, God, for everyone in here that serves in their specific arena humbly and justly because they are atmosphere changers and they walk in godly love. Yes, Father God, and I pray, Father, that you will help them, each one of them, see the potential of all of the children that they the lives that they touch, their spheres of influence. Because indeed, these are the ones who will advance the kingdom. They are our miracle workers, our history makers, the promise keepers, every one of them unique and called by you. They just need to discover that. And you have such an influence. And Lord, education should be and could be truly that which makes positive change for not just our city, our state, our country. And so Lord, these light bearers that are in this room right now, Lord, we ask that you would multiply their numbers in our school systems. Lord, that they would connect with other believers, that they would pray together, and that they would be uplifted by the many, many prayers that go out for them daily from all the Moms in Touch groups, from the Moms in Prayer groups, and from the multiple numbers of intercessors that pray for our schools. And Lord, right now, in agreement, we say, anoint them and commission every one of them all these waymakers to be aloha releasers and if you agree we all say amen 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 you may be seated thank you once again all you who work with our children we're going to close in prayer together would you bow your heads with me lord god thank you for using our life to glorify you and for these who work with our children, we're so grateful for. We also pray that if there's anyone here, Lord, that, that you have been speaking to and you have been highlighting certain areas in their life to be used for you, I pray, Lord, that they would obey you because in that obedience come your blessings and promises and they impact eternity. And I thank you for allowing us the privilege to be your people, and that when we gather together like this, we're able to be strengthened because of your spirit. We pray this in Jesus' holy and precious name. We all sit together.